Hey there, and welcome to the podcast of Real Life Spokane. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today. We hope this podcast encourages you and points you closer to Jesus. Let's jump in. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, there was a woman back in the 80s who was um, strung out on drugs. Her her name was uh, Carla Faye Tucker. And her and her boyfriend at 3 in the morning on June 13th, 1983, uh, were stealing a motorcycle and committed a double homicide. Horrific crime. They were picked up on these charges about three weeks later and eventually sentenced to death by execution. This is in the state of Texas. And um, Carla Faye Tucker was absolutely devastated by the choices that she had made. Her life was a wreck. I mean, massive brokenness growing up, all kinds of abuse that she endured, all kinds of pain and suffering that led to these these painful choices around drugs and eventually this double murder that her and her boyfriend committed. But the cool thing is, is that Carla Faye experienced the love of God while she was sitting on death row. Carla Faye became so enamored with the love of God, the forgiveness of God, the grace of God, that she began to share the love of God with everyone around her on death row. Lives were dramatically impacted because of the the grace of God poured out through Carla Faye Tucker. It was so dramatic that even lives were like, literally people trying to commit suicide were saved as, as God ministered to them through this woman. She was finally interviewed close to the end of her life by a guy named Larry King. Anybody old enough to remember that guy in the room? Okay, a few of you. At the close of the interview, King said to Carla Faye Tucker, finally, you remain up. Kind of this inquisitive, like, what's up with that? You remain up. And Tucker said, yeah. Then King asked, can you explain that to me a little more? She's about ready to be executed. You're about ready to be killed. It can't just be God, he said. She smiled and replied, yes, it can. It's called the joy of the Lord, she said. When you've done something like I've done and you've been forgiven for it and you're loved, that has a way of so changing you. I have experienced real love, she said. I know what forgiveness is, even when I've done something so horrible. I know this because Jesus forgave me when I accepted what he did on the cross. When I leave here, she says, I'm going to be with him. She did eventually, in 1998, was executed for her crime. But the impact of this woman has been been told for, for, for so many years now because of the way that God's love transformed her. God's love is something that has always been on display all throughout mankind, all throughout human history. It's really a story. If you read scripture, it's a story of God's love for his people. For you and I to experience God, we've got to come to grips and come to a place of understanding where God's love captures our heart. Not just a concept we know about, oh, God loves me, and that's nice. And it's kind of like this thing that we just kind of frivolously throw around. But to actually encounter and experience God in your life in a real and a powerful way, you've got to come to grips with this understanding that God has always been and always will be pursuing an intimate love relationship with you. 
This has been the heart of God all through human history. God made Adam and Eve to be in relationship with him at the very beginning. They walked with God in the garden and and, and knew this amazing communion. There was no shame at all in the garden until Adam and Eve disobeyed God's leading and took from the tree that he told them not to eat from and they ate from it. Their eyes were open and, and now shame filled their hearts. They started hiding. They started blaming. All this corruption started entering human hearts. But even at that moment, moment. As God is exiling them from the garden, God starts his plan, his pursuit of a love relationship with all mankind. He begins to establish for himself a people, and through that people, he begins to send his son, the savior of the world, to walk in our shoes, sinless and perfect, willingly giving his perfection up for our imperfection. He who knew no sin actually became sin for us so that in him we might become right with God once again. God has always been pursuing an intimate love relationship with you and I. In order to experience God, we have got to really be enamored and overwhelmed with the love of God and his pursuit of us. And I think that it's a challenge. I know if you're like me, like love, it's a great concept. But what does it look like, feel like, sound like? How do I be like that? And God loves me. All right. You know, right, it it, it can be kind of this disconnect a little bit for us, if we're honest. I remember early on in our marriage, that disconnect was real in my marriage. We are celebrating in just a few weeks, 20 years of marriage, if you can believe that. I know I look like I'm still 20. I get it. I get it. No, I'm just kidding. My my wife deserves so much credit for every 20 of those years. But um, early on, we we struggled. And uh, I would say I struggled. And and really understanding intimacy in, in our marriage was difficult for me. And we ended up at counseling together, and, and I remember just this intense focus in my heart of like, I want our marriage to be awesome. It's not awesome. We don't really feel like things are in groove. There's not a closeness, a connectedness, an intimacy. There was this feeling of it's off. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, ugh. And so we're there at counseling, and I'm trying, I'm going, how do we, how do we fix this? I want our marriage to be awesome. And, and my, my counselor, he said, he asked my wife a question, why, why are you here? And she goes, I don't know, I just want my husband back. And I remember being like, I'm right here. Like, wh- why, Ugh, what do I need to do? I want our marriage better. I'm looking for a list of things that I need to get better. And, and my, my counselor just stopped me. He's like, hang on, hang on, let me ask you a question. How is your relationship with Jesus? And I grew up in church, and I'm a pastor. I'm in ministry. I've been starting to preach. I'm like, life is kind of like all church and all Jesus and all God. And, and he's like, I know all that, but how, how is your relationship with Jesus? And if I'm honest, there was a lot of boxes I was checking religiously, but there was a lacking of intimacy in my relationship with God. I knew about God, but I didn't feel like I knew God personally. He's like, that's what I want you to focus on for the next month. We're not going to talk about anything, marriage, whatever, like fix-it problems, none of that stuff. I just want you to focus on your relationship with Jesus. And then come back, and we'll talk about marriage next time. And so for the next four or five, six weeks, that's what I did. I just pursued Jesus with all my heart to know him intimately, to experience his love in a real way. And I remember we got back to the counselor about six weeks later, and he looked at my wife. He said, how's it going? She's like, it's so good. I finally got my husband back. And I remember like, what? I, I didn't like, 
I wanted the technique, right? I wanted the program. I wanted the system that I changed and everything's better because of X, Y, and Z and it just all added up. It's so intangible, but it's so real. When you and I experience the love of God, it changes us. When you and I are intimately connected with Jesus, when we are pursuing him with our whole hearts, you and I are a different people. There is something coming out of us. Relationships around us are different. People are closer. There is a connectedness and intimacy. But many of us, we have stayed at a distance from God. We've known about him. We've done religious things for him. We've tried to make things right around us and be, be more of Jesus and less of the world and all these kind of cliches. But if we're honest, we don't have an intimate, connected relationship with him. That's what this conversation is about today, is that God has been pursuing, not just for you to know about him, but he's been pursuing you to, to be intimately connected to him in a real, in a personal way. And if you are going to experience him, this has got to be the bedrock of your heart and your life. Like what would cause a lady like Carla Faye Tucker to have this kind of impact, even from death row, is that clearly something has changed in her. She is overwhelmed, enamored, captured by the love of God for her life and and in her life. And there's something tangible about it. Even though you may not be able to explain it and create a a system for it and a checkbox that makes all this sense, there is a clear intimacy that is flowing out of that woman's life. And I really long for us to be those kind of people. So let's, let's establish kind of where this conversation comes from theologically, like from God's word. And then make make some reflections on it. In John chapter 6, I want you to capture this, that God takes the initiative in a love relationship with you. Long before you ever were created, God started, initiated this rescue plan to draw all mankind back into relationship with with him. You were a part of that plan. God saw you, knew you, knew who you would be, the mistakes you would make the pain that you would cause, the things that would be done to you. And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, sacrificed himself for us. In John chapter 6, verse 44, Jesus says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. I want you to hear this. No one can come to Jesus unless the Father who sent Jesus draws them to Jesus. God is the initiator of relationship. God is the one that started this thing. God is the one that decided, I love my people and I want to rescue my people. God is the one that has set into motion the steps that have led you to come to experience God in the first place or even be in this room today. God is the one who has been orchestrating you and your life being radically enamored with the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. No one can come to me, Jesus says, unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day, Jesus says. It is written in the prophets, they will be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. If you go forward a few verses to verse 65, Jesus went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. 
so important that you get this just right in your theology and your understanding of who God is, that he started everything. He is the initiator. You got that? Like, like this wasn't your great idea. You're not smart enough to go, I need a savior. I need, I need rescue. I am a sinner and I need help. It is his kindness that leads us to repentance. It is his love and his mercy that has drawn you to himself. It is God's goodness that he is revealing himself to you. That you would even have conviction that says, man, I need saving. I need a savior. That is God's initiative in your life. This is so important that you get this right in the order of things because this is where intimacy starts to be built. This is where you start to understand like forgiveness that God has no reason to come to you other than the fact that he loves you. You didn't earn it. You certainly don't deserve it. You're not better than the other people because you're born in a certain country or a certain time of history. You're, you're, you're not more qualified than somebody else. It is 100% God's initiative and God's love that he would say, hey, I want you to be my daughter, my son. I want you to be my child. Jeremiah 31.3 says, the Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. I said it a minute ago, it is, it is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. He has never stopped loving, never stopped drawing, never stopped revealing himself making himself known for you. So it is God who initiates this love relationship with you. The second thing that you gotta get in your heart and understanding is living in an overflow of God's love is the way he intended us to live. Not trying to get God's love, but living from an overflow of God's love. This is how God's people are God's people, is they have been radically just overwhelmed and enamored with the grace and the love and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, and now they begin to overflow. Wow, look, God has forgiven me. He has, he has received me. He has, he has saved me. He has loved me. Even at my worst, even in my, my most um, horrible days, God still loved me then. And this overflow coming out of us is the way that God has intended his people to live. Not here, Here's what makes people who follow Jesus so hard to be around is when we are trying to get God to love us by proving that we are worth loving. We become judgmental, we become critical, we become harsh. It's hard to give grace when you're not receiving grace. It's hard to give mercy when you're not receiving mercy. And those that have received mercy give mercy like crazy. Those that have received grace give grace like crazy. It is intended that we would live from an overflow of God's love for us, not us trying to climb the ladder of this life, measuring up to the love of God and earn the love of God. But it is intended that we would live with this overflow sense like God loved me when I was at my worst. Thank you, God. And that this overflow would come out of us. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 is so good for me just to help my heart remember this once again. It is by grace that you have been saved through faith. I love this. And this, <laughs> it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. 
This wasn't you. This wasn't your idea. This wasn't your good work, your merit. It wasn't your religious effort. It was purely a gift, God's grace to you, the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. This is what makes us Jesus' church is that Jesus has drawn us to himself and he's forgiven us. See, this is what makes unity possible in Jesus' church. Because if we're all measuring, getting unified by agreeing about everything and by measuring up to certain standards, man, we would never be unified. But what brings us together is that we are all desperate for the forgiveness of God that comes through Jesus Christ. Every single one of us come into the kingdom at the exact same spot, the love of God. Nobody got in here ahead of somebody else because you were a little better than somebody else. Every one of us comes in at the exact same spot, forgiven from our sin, loved by a gracious God who pursued us, decided to come after us, and we are just so thankful, aren't we, real life, that God would receive us as one of his own. Somebody get excited, right? This is so good. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. And this is what gives us the opportunity to live from an overflow. Man, I would hate to get to the end of our lives and find our ladder leaning against the wrong wall. We've been climbing. We've been working our tails off, thinking that God is approving of all of our effort. When God loved you before you had any capacity for any kind of effort. The wall that our our ladder is to lean on is the grace and the love of God, the initiative of God. So if you and I are going to experience God, this is where it starts. This is not like a program of like, you better shape up, Christian. This is is us recognizing, oh my God, you, you loved us. You loved us first. We even know what love is because God loved us first. And so he calls us to respond in an overflow. And when Jesus is asked, what's the greatest commandment? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. This is the first and the greatest commandment. He says, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's this overflow of love because God has loved us. Now we, in turn, love God with everything we have, everything that that, that we are. God, this life is yours. This heart is yours. These priorities are yours. God, I will love you with everything I've got. And I will love the people around me the way that that I've been loved with this reckless abandon, God, that you would forgive me. God, I want to forgive like that. I want to give mercy like that. I want to give grace like that. God, forgive me for being stingy with your love. God, may that love just flow through me to everyone around me. Jesus said, if you're going to love me, you got to obey me. If if you're going to love me, you got to obey me. This is the overflow of what God has already done in our lives. And so here's here's the question I want to try to answer in the the last several minutes today. It's okay, God has loved you. And I hope that you're getting that. (laughs) I've just pounded on it for 20 minutes. Okay, Richie, we got it. But, but, But from that spot, how do you respond? Jesus says, well, if you love me, you obey me. Okay, what does that look like? How do I respond to the love of God? Love your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Okay, how do, what does that look like? This is me sitting at the counselor going, tell me what to do to fix my marriage, right? This is that same kind of moment. Like, what do I, what do, I do with this love that's been poured out on my life? 
The first thing that I would say to you is this. If you got notes today, you're taking them down. How do I respond to God's pursuit of me? Number one is make it real. Don't let your heart settle for conceptual understanding. Oh, that's cool. God loves me. That's a great thing. Don't, don't let it just sit there at your heart at a conceptual level. Push yourself to make it real. What does real mean? In a marriage, in any intimate relationship, real means there's actual time, energy, and focus dedicated to that relationship, right? If it's going to be real, if like love is going to flow out of me in response to what God has done for me and in me, there's got to be this time, energy, and focus for this to be real in my life. Otherwise, it's just conceptual. It's just talk, right? If there's not time, if there's not real energy and real focus in my life for this, this relationship to be real and for God to you know, love through me and out of me and overflow from me, man, I'm not going to move beyond conceptual. And so make it real. What does real look like? For me, it's just this idea that, okay, I got to take it out of, out of concept. I've got to take it out of just idea mode and put it into reality that God wants an intimate relationship with every single one of us. I am not going to let up until I have until I have accomplished that or seen that or experienced that in my life. I'm not going to just sit back at a distance and wait for it. I'm going to actually pursue that kind of relationship with God. So how do I respond to his pursuit of me? I, I pursue him. This is what's so great about relationship is it's two-way, right? That it's not just one way, but that we actually have the ability, the capacity to put time, energy, and focus back into our relationship. For some, some of you, you've, you've learned to read scripture. And my hope would be that every single one of us would have a daily time that we have set aside to, to hear from God, learn from God, experience God in relationship with God. For me, scripture has become, and I would call all of us to make this a part of who we are, that there is time, energy, and focus dedicated to your pursuit of God. Otherwise, it's just a concept that you would actually put it in your schedule, that you would make it real. And that when you do sit down to read scripture, not just reading it to get knowledge about God, but that you are there to be changed by God, to have an actual encounter with God. That you, like, like you don't just go to on a date with your spouse or your future spouse just to gather data about them so you could tell everybody else about them. You want to be with them. You want to know them. You want to experience them. Like, what makes them laugh? And why are they so weird about that thing? And, and, and what is it that, that growing up hurt them so much? And where did all those weird things come from that they do all the time, right? Like, you want to get into that and, and really experience that. That's God. That's a relationship with God. Jesus said it so clearly in John 5, 39. He says, you study the scriptures diligently because you think in them you have eternal life. These guys worshiped the scriptures. And he says, these are the very scriptures that testify about me. They are revealing me to you. Yet you refuse to come to me and have life. It's like it's insane what you're doing. You're so religious and so consumed with knowing about me that you, you, you've forgotten to come to me. And I think for you and I to make it real, it's like, God, don't let me leave this relationship. Don't let me get up from this table first thing in the morning with this cup of coffee or whatever your, your routine is. God, I don't want to walk away from this moment until I've encountered you as a person, real, 
personal way. Second thing after you make it real is to make it personal. I just said it a second ago. When you're thinking of, of a relationship with God, make it personal. Don't, don't allow yourself to kind of stay back in that spot where you're not actually hearing from God, experiencing God. So this all takes effort. This is a pursuit from you and I back towards God. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. This is the first and the greatest commandment is to love God with everything you've got. Make it a pursuit of God. Don't allow yourself to just kind of settle in for a lackadaisical, half-hearted approach toward God. Go after him with everything you've got. Make it personal. For me, that is going listening, talking, responding, that I'm going to spend time in Scripture actually hearing from God. Just this morning, I'm reading Matthew chapter 11. And as I'm reading Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, 29, and 30 stand out to me. I've read them hundreds of times before. But here, Jesus is, again, speaking straight to my heart. And so I'll, I'll take that, those few verses and I'll just underline them. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take, take my yoke upon you, or it's easy. My burden is light. As I'm reading, it's just clear, like, Richie, you've been striving and straining and working yourself to death, and you're trying so hard to make so much happen. Would you just come to me? I'm not looking for your life to be a certain way or you to accomplish a certain thing. I am looking for you. And as I just underline this, I just sense the Spirit of God just speaking to my heart. And that started because just a few minutes before that, I sit down with the Bible and I'm just praying, God, I, I want to hear from you today. I don't want to just go through motions and hope that you show up. God, I actually want to hear from you. I actually want to experience you. I want to know your voice. And so for me, it's that prayer, it's the reading, and I don't read a lot in real life. Like I, I spent years where I would read, you know, through the, through the Old Testament every six months, through the New Testament every 30 days. I was like a maniac, right? Like, who does that? Bible school kids, okay? We're all stupid. We're weird, okay? But, but, but man, it's like I read like half a chapter at the most right now. And maybe I'll read a proverb along with it. I'm not trying to get a lot of content. I'm trying to get close to Jesus. And so I'm just praying, I'm underlying, and then I start journaling. And I take that verse, Matthew 11, 28, 29, and 30, and I write it down in my journal. And then I just begin to pray out of that. Okay, Lord, I sense you saying this to me. I hear your voice. I, I, I see where I'm striving. And I'm hearing you call me to not just kind of think about this, but actually do something with this. And that's the third thing is you make it, make it real, make it personal. And the third thing is make it practical. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey me. Practical is that. It's obedience to Jesus, prompting, leading in your life. When the Holy Spirit illuminates a scripture to you, he's saying something on purpose. Maybe there's something in the way of your relationship with God. Maybe there's something that, that he's wanting to change. Maybe there's a relationship he's wanting to heal. Maybe there's forgiveness he's wanting to call you to. But make it practical. Don't allow yourself to leave it conceptual. But actually take a step of obedience. If you love me, you will obey me. If you have an obedience problem, you have a love problem. And for us just to go, oh, 
I've been striving to get loved by God. And he's like, no, I've already loved you. Now respond out of that love and allow that love to just motivate you and, and pour out of you and, and, and call you to, to the next steps that I'm calling you to. And, and for us, that's just really practical. Obedience is the pathway to intimacy with God. Hear me on this. I want you to get this. Obedience is the pathway to intimacy. He will speak. When you and I respond, he speaks more. The more you respond, the more sensitive you become to his promptings in your life. The more hard-hearted you are, the harder it is to hear and experience him. You want to experience God in your real life, in, in your life. Have this, this passion to get to a place of obedience. Some of you feel like it's been a famine of God's voice in your life. And, and for, for a lot of us, that's because God told us what to do and we haven't done it yet. And he's like, I would tell you more, but you haven't done the last thing I asked you to do. And so, so, so you feel like you're not hearing from God and he's like, remember that person I asked you to forgive? Remember, remember that offense I asked you to overlook? And you've been just kind of chewing on it and mad about it. And, and that person, you just won't let them go. Or that, that relationship that I asked you to give up, you're still holding on to it. That, 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 that thing that's been controlling your decisions, that addiction, you're more in love with that addiction than you are with me. Just, just come to me, all you who are weary. And there's just this sense of make it practical. Don't allow yourself just to kind of sit back and go, wow. That was a cool time with God this morning. Do what he says. This is, this is the bedrock of experiencing God. God loves you. That love wrecks us and compels us with every bit of passion and energy that we have to respond out of that love to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, to love our neighbor as much as we love ourselves. It is his love that just overwhelms us and captures our heart. As God has pursued you, we learn to pursue him. Man, I love a people like us that are committed to pursuing Jesus because the people that are pursuing Jesus are being massively changed, empowered, used, filled with hope, filled with joy, filled with a sense of like, wow, God is here. He's not over there. He's not somewhere else. He's not far off. He is right here working and moving in my life and, and, and I'm being changed by him and people around me are being affected and there's this, there's this sense of the miraculous. I talked about it last week. How horrible it would be to have this whole life that's just striving and never experiencing the miraculous. When you are overwhelmed by the love of God and that is overflowing out of you and into your pursuit of him, man, there is so much miraculous in your life. And that's what I dream for every one of us is that we would experience God in those kind of real ways, those kind of practical ways. And that we wouldn't settle for lackadaisical, ho-hum, not really knowing God, but that he'd work powerfully in you, through you, that his love would be real. I want to pray for you today. Would you stand to your feet with me today, real life? God, you, you see every heart here. You know every story, 
every pain, every burden. Yet your God, God, your love, I love how your word says that love covers a multitude of sin. That we know what love is because God first loved us. And so God, your love today just captures us. God, may we be a people just enraptured with your love, filled with awe, overwhelmed, God, worshipful, just expressing, God, our gratitude constantly because of your love, because of your forgiveness, God. May your love just continue to overwhelm each of our hearts, God, and fill us with a, a desire to pursue you with everything we are, God, a desire to know you more and more, to hear your voice, to experience you in a real way, God. And as we as a church are being changed right now, God, as we are being led to experience you, God, may our city be impacted. May lives around us take notice. These people are changed. They are different. Something is up in their lives. God, I pray that that impact would begin to just fill us with hope and encouragement, God, even this week, Lord. We are so thankful for your grace in our lives. And we trust, God, that you are going to continue to work and speak and move. God, make us a people who passionately pursue you. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for loving us first. In your name, amen. Man, I love you so much, real life, and I know that God is speaking to you today, and so I want to call you to respond. Maybe it's getting baptized. Maybe it's getting connected in a group. Maybe you need to come forward for prayer. We've got all those things for you. We want to help with any way that we can. So our team will be up here to pray with you cards, those connect cards. We want to get them from every single one of you. Giving envelopes, we want to get those as well. Drop those in the box as you leave today. We love you a ton. Have an awesome week. Come forward for prayer or anything that we can help with. We love you. Thanks so much for joining us on the Real Life Spokane podcast. We exist to reach this world for Jesus one person at a time. And you can help us do that by liking, sharing, or subscribing to this podcast. We love you so much, and we'll see you next time.